I, I like Kevin Hart stand up. His wife caught him in the lie and he just got loud and was like, why are you always leaving the microwave open? And she was like, what, what? I'm, I'm sorry, I left the microwave open. And then he walked out, but it was to confuse her about the issue at hand that he was lying. White brothers and sisters get loud about issues that don't really matter with what we were bringing to them originally. Yes, Lisa! <laughs> Shoot, talk to her. What's up, everybody? It's your girl, KB, of Heart Combos, and today you are joining me and my guest in The Heart Seat, the show that puts people in the position to have conversations that are honest, elephant-sized, authentic, real, and transparent. Today, our guest is Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew 3 Project. Their mission is to help Black Christians know what they believe and why they believe it. So go to Jew3project.org and you can find all kinds of resources from curriculum, books, and conferences to help you know what you believe and why you believe it. Thank you so much, Lisa, for making time to be with us here today. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, it is my pleasure and privilege to have you. Um, last time we connected, we were on your platform having a conversation. So I'm excited that you are here today with us in the heart seat. So my first question to you, if you were honest, what would be your response to the current state of what's going on right now, just in our country? I think the first thing that comes to mind is it sucks. Um, <laughs> all right. uh, if I can be candid, uh, I think it, it sucks on all the different fronts. So social unrest, uh, the pandemic, hurricanes, uh, fires in California, mm -hmm. um, people dealing with personal loss and just every day navigating if they have children trying to homeschool trying to work from home it's just a lot people losing their jobs i mean everything is happening at once it's it's a lot for i think us to take in for sure i agree with that and i think that um <laughs> if we're honest and we call a spade a spade i would agree with all that you just said um, so my question for you now is, what is the elephant in the room concerning Christians and Black Lives Matter? Just for context, your platform specifically addresses the Black Christian community about what they believe and why they believe it. However, right now, there's a lot of tension in the life of some believers concerning their allegiance to God and their allegiance to um, the Black culture, to Black people, and what it looks like to advocate for both. So for you, what's the elephant in the room for Black Lives Matter and Christians and where they meet? So I think there's really no tension in general between Black Lives Matter and Black Christians because we affirm with ease that Black Lives Matter. And I think the, ch the challenge that white brothers and sisters have is taking organi organizational tenets from a Black Lives Matter organization and trying to reconcile that with Christianity. And it's like, you really do know that all black people don't even know that, it's very few black people know that there's a, that it's a particular organization and they have tenants. Like people are just saying black lives matter because black lives matter. Right. And I'm like, that is the, like, if I can untangle that in the minds of people, it's just like, why is this a thing guys? Like just be able to, to say that and move on like 
it doesn't have to be conflated with critical race theory or Marxism. It's just like, what are we even talking about? Like, why that to me, that's a distraction from dealing with the issues at hand. And historically, people have never liked the language that Black people use to talk about their oppression. Um, and so I think it's important to note that no matter what you say, people will have a problem with it because they don't want to deal with the real issue. That sounds like the elephant to me, <laughs> that people really just have a problem with um, the heart behind what is happening, the advocacy of Black people in this country, um, the uplifting, the, the, the freeing of all of the things. Um, and they really have a problem with that. So like you said, they're hiding behind things that are not directly connected to the issue at hand. One of the things you just said, you said, what are we, what are we even talking about? Um, for you, what is the like elephant sized issue when it comes to this? Like there's a twofold to this question, the elephant in the room, the thing that's there that no one wants to look like, look at. And that might be that some black and uh, or some white brothers and sisters, or and there are some black <laughs> um, who are making this an issue, right? Um, however, what's the elephant-sized issue? You'll get the second part of the acronym concerning uh, what we're really talking about here. Like, what is the issue? I think the issue is people, and I hope this is answer your question, the issue behind the issue is that I don't want to look at myself in the mirror and see if my actions, my successes, have something to do with my privilege. Ooh, uh-huh. And I think people will do things to avoid doing that or to be held accountable for what's happening in this world. And it's like, I'll point to anything else. Or I'll confuse you about language um, to get you to deviate from looking at myself and looking at the pain and the harm I've caused or contributed to. Um, there's a funny story that uh, I, I like Kevin Hart stand up. And in his old stand up, he said, uh, he was talking about how to confuse women. And he said, you just get loud. And um, Come on, come on lessons. <laughs> lessons from Kevin Hart, shout out to him. But he was just saying that his wife caught him in the lie. Uh, and he just got loud and was like, why are you always leaving the microwave open? <laughs> and she was like what what I'm, I'm sorry I left the microwave open and it's like and then he walked out but it was to confuse her about the issue at hand that he was lying and I think to parallel it to that day I think uh white brothers and sisters get loud about issues that don't really matter with what we were bringing to them originally um and they just get loud to try to distract um, from the real issue at hand. So when it comes to authenticity, how does the black Christian show up as their most authentic self um, amidst the tension that might be existing in predominantly white spaces or in faith-based spaces, or even at, at their job or in their workplace or whatever, what does it look like to show up as your most authentic self right now? I think one of the things we have to do in order to show up at our most authentic self is analyze and look at our life and evaluate in what ways have we not been showing up or how we, have we been censoring ourselves? Mm. And what is the reason for that censorship? Is it the, the belief that one won't be accepted for themselves 
Um, because there's a, I mean, as you talk about it, there's always a deeper issue to, to anything. And many of us censor ourselves because we want acceptance. Uh, we want to be seen as full humans. And because we know that people look at African-Americans as less than, we want to always demonstrate that we are fully a person and that we should be accepted. And so I think one of the things we have to remember as we're going into spaces is that if we're accepted for who we're not, we're really not being accepted. And so I think it's important for us to 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 evaluate why we're we're censoring ourselves and then um, do that hard work um, navigating because that's going to help you have the courage to show up as your authentic self. Because if you haven't dealt with those insecurities, when you show up as your authentic self and you're rejected, you're going to feel away and you're going to feel, you know, the depression can set in, all kinds of factors can set in. So you need to, I feel like, heal from whatever those things that make you suppress um, your authentic self so you can show up fully in confidence. No, that's a good word. That's a real good word. Um, one of the things that I've mentioned before in a post is that when it comes to vulnerability, people are trying to figure out usually when it's safe to be vulnerable. And I always try to encourage people like be vulnerable up front. <laughs> like, and that makes absolutely no sense. Like, why would I put myself completely out there to be wounded by someone at the beginning before I even know them? And the suggestion is that, well, if you do it then and you are fully accepted and fully loved, then you guys can build the relationship authentically, truthfully, vulnerably, right? But when we show up pretentiously, right? When we pretend, when we are not our most authentic self, when we feel like we have to kind of uh, water down who we are in whatever way, a person might accept us, but they're not accepting the full us to your point. They're accepting the version of us that we've revealed to them. To which at some point we're going to be convinced that, oh, I am fully accepted. Then our true self shows up and they're like, who are you? You know, <laughs> like, where did you come from? <laughs> Correct. Correct. And I think that's happening right now. Like literally the state of 2020 has rocked a whole lot of people. And it's because in relationship, we're starting to see sides of people that we never heard before, never yeah. seen before, and we don't know what to do with it, <laughs> right? Right, you just got that on me. Where did that come from? Correct, and then we have to like live up to what we've said before, and that is, hey, I love you, and I'm walking with you, and all that stuff, but I was doing that with the person you were showing me before, not this person, and I don't know what to do with this person, and then all of all of the things. And so, I love it, I love, I love that. Um, so let's get to the R in the in the acronym real what is the real issue in real time 2020 right now for the black christian so i think the real issue for many black christians is is christianity something that is is helpful in our community okay go right go in all the way <laughs> just i can just <laughs> call it out call it out is christianity am i really about this life yeah and i think because we live in a very pragmatic culture it's like is it working for us is it serving us is it helpful for us and i think that's a really good question to ask but you have to also evaluate what christianity have you been utilizing and I think many people utilize uh, a Christianity that's not a biblical Christianity. So they have a uh, this American Christianity 
that's uh, more cloaked in uh, capitalism and patriotism than it is Bible. Um, or they have a prosperity Christianity uh, that believes that you could create what you see um, and be able to manipulate God by your prayers and your obedience. And so I think we have to start to deconstruct what we believed about God in order to believe the right things about him. And I think that most black Christians, especially millennials and Gen Z are really wrestling with is Christianity serving or helpful to the black community. But I think the better question to be asking is the Christianity that I've been exposed to the biblical Christianity um, and not whether Christianity as a whole will serve because I do think because we're under a lot of, we experience a lot of trauma that many of our reactions are overreactions or overcorrections and we're not able to deal with life um, or situations in the measure in which they should be dealt. Um, so we throw the baby out with the bathwater because we haven't processed our trauma enough to be able to deal with things with it um, in the way they should be dealt with and be able to navigate there's some good and bad in this and I can um, throw away the bad and still keep the good. You said that we need to deconstruct what we believe about God. So here's the thing right now. I think that the pandemic in and of itself has been a deconstructing thing, right? Completely deconstructing all of our lives. So then we see uh, these countless killings of unarmed black men and women, right? At the hands of police becoming more and more visible. So now we're trying to deconstruct certain systems, right? And so people, uh, white people right now are thinking to themselves, if I'm going to be a part of this conversation in a healthy way, I might have to deconstruct my narrative. Everything that I have been told and taught to believe and to think about myself and my experience and other people's experience, I have to deconstruct that. But now you are suggesting that the Christian sit down and really deconstruct their thoughts about God, that is huge. That is like, I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot to think like, did my mama lie to me? Did my daddy lie to me? You know what I'm saying? Like my people been lying to me for the, like, that's one thing. It's another thing for you to sit in the, in the heart seat and say, is what I believe about God actually true? Did my pastor lie to me? Did my spiritual leader or covering lie to me? Have I been sitting under teaching that is not true? I have lived that personally multiple times <laughs> in my walk with the Lord, like multiple times. And I'm so thankful for people who sat me down and who questioned what I said or what I was uh, communicating in an effort to get me to think about it. So now I'm just in the habit of debriefing, right? But my question to you is what advice, and this is kind of outside of the five questions, but I just need you to give us some maybe practical how-tos or what does it look like to start that process of deconstructing your thoughts about your faith in God? Uh, one of the things that we uh, that's helpful with deconstruction is to think about like, if what you believe is true, it will stand the scrutiny. scrutiny, scrutiny. Um, I always say a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, if you have the truth, no matter what test you put it on, it'll always be true. And so I think the fear of I'm going to lose what I believe or what I hold dear 
keeps people from deconstructing because then it's like you take my foundation i have nothing left and i understand that fear I, the reason i'm in apologetics is because my freshman year of college i mean not my freshman year of college but in undergrad taking a new testament class my professor said the first day of class i'm going to change everything you thought you knew about jesus and that led me on a journey of deconstructing all my beliefs and it was wild i cried uh-huh. i was frustrated um I, you know, didn't know what to believe, didn't want to necessarily talk to people about it because I felt like they didn't understand what was going on in the class. So they couldn't speak to what I was dealing with. And I think during that time, I just learned like, I have to deconstruct what I thought about God in order to really believe um, that I have a faith that is true. Like if I was like in that process, if I just abandoned it and say, I'm out, I'm dropping this class, then I'll always have that doubt that, you know, even if I suppress it, that I don't know if this is true. And so I had to go through that process in order for my faith to be fortified. And it, I think people think going through a process of deconstructing means you have all the answers. And I, I don't think you have to have the answers to have assurance. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't have the, all the answers, but I was assured that my faith was true during that process. The last thing I'll say is that deconstruction needs to be done in community. Yes, Lisa! <laughs> Shoot, talk to her. <laughs> People deconstruct things in isolation and come up with all kinds of interesting things because our mind plays tricks on us and we think we're smarter or we see something that nobody else has seen and we try to navigate it on our own and that's with a lot of things and then we end up shipwrecked and so i think theology has to be done in community um when constructing or deconstructing it um in order to uh to to really land on the truth so those are some things i'll say I, this is a whole nother conversation. So we're just going to go ahead and get to the last question here as you're sitting in the heart seat. And that is the T in the acronym transparent. So transparently speaking, what is your next step? Just personally as, as a, a black female Christian. Um, but then what's the next step also for the Jude three project right now amidst what's happening, especially on the heels of the Jacob Blake shooting, um, and all of the other things that are, that are happening right now with the election coming up, all the things, what are the next steps for you? For me personally, I think because there's so much negativity coming, I've really been on this thing about making sure that I remember that I have a hope that is sure. Um, And that I'm not, that I'm not losing hope or giving off a vibe that I have no hope. First Peter 3.15 says we ought to be able to give an answer for the hope that we have. And I tweeted something the other day that many people don't ask us about the hope that we have because we live like we don't have any hope. And I think in this day, people are looking for that city set upon a hill, that light that's sought upon the earth. And the darker it gets, the brighter we're supposed to shine. But if we're walking around with our heads down and we're walking around like we have no hope, then the world thinks there's really no hope. And so I've just been challenging myself to make sure that I'm cognizant and I remember the hope that I have in Christ. 
that some trust in chariots, but I trust in the the almighty God mm-hmm. and, and wanting to be that example. And I hope that for the next steps for Jude 3, that we're a beacon of hope. We're able to strengthen the church through our upcoming conferences, through our courses, through our podcasts and whatever we do and get people equipped so they'll know the hope that they have. And when the world starts to do all kinds of things, when life seems shaky, even in the midst of that, even we can admit that we're frustrated, we can admit that it sucks, but we can also remind the world that we have a hope um, that is unshakable and that we can trust in him. Listen, you have just dropped so many incredible jewels and gems today. And I am just so thankful that you made time to be with us here today, to sit in the heart seat again, to have conversations that are honest, elephant-sized, authentic, real, and transparent. Thank you guys for watching, for tuning into this conversation. If you're interested in more content like this, that's going to help you build deep, meaningful connections by having heart conversations, you can always become a Heart Combos member. Just go to heartcombos.com and you can click the link to become a member today. Always remember that it's not a hard conversation, it's a heart conversation. Till next time, peace.